there's no one path into VC. In fact, that's why we started the Venture Fellows Program in the first place is like, it is a little bit of a black box of an industry. And our intention with this program is to open up access and create an entry point for people who don't have the specific network to give them inroads to to get a chance at this. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. Today's guest is Natalie. She's the head of ops at SUSE Ventures, uh, a seed stage venture capital firm. Uh, and she's here today to talk about SUSE's summer fellowship program, uh, a little bit about you know, who should apply and what, what it's about, um, but also just you know, her general journey to venture and a little bit about herself. So we're really excited to have her on. We think it'll be a great episode with tons of value for you. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the podcast. You are now listening to the Next Iteration Podcast with your hosts, Fuad and Damien. If you like the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. We hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you so much, Fuad and Damien. It's great to be here. Um, it is our pleasure as I'm privileged to say pretty much every episode, but <laughs> let's uh, go ahead and kick it off. And I'm curious to obviously for as uh, someone who's been through the SUSE fellowship, um, kind of knows the ins and outs of it, but for the rest of us who are kind of in the dark, I'm curious just to hear a bit more about SUSE, what their mission is and what they do as a whole. Yeah, sure. Um, so Sousa Ventures, as Fwad said, we're an early stage venture capital firm based here in San Francisco, and we are investing in a family of dreamers and builders and have backed companies like Robinhood and Flexport and Biz and Policy Genius at their earliest stages um, and beyond. And our core belief is that uh, entrepreneurs are the lifeblood of progress and that we exist to uh, help them realize their visions for a better world. Um, so we invest in all different sectors and business models and um, the really the common denominator amongst all these companies is that um, they have compounding modes around the business, which just means some form of defensibility that um, gets stronger over time. And I think increasingly as of late, we're kind of honing in on a few specific um, sectors of interest. Again, generalist, and we'll, we get excited about just about any kind of company, but increasingly excited about fintech, logistics, um, digital health, and vertical SaaS. That was a perfect intro. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, you asked me as well, Damien, but that completely aligns with you know, my experiences so far. Um, but I wanted to dive deep a little bit about why you joined SUSE and and sort of like your path there and why you think SUSE is like such a such a cool place to work at. Yeah, sure. Um, maybe I'll, I'll start by going way back. Um, Let's do it. Share. So I I grew up in small towns in the Midwest, um, Illinois and Wisconsin, raised by a single mom. Hey, mom. Um, and through a lot of hard work, um, and really just the power of community, I was able to get a full tuition scholarship um, for college. Um, so went to Arizona State. I was actually a total country bumpkin, had never been west of the Mississippi, uh, let alone Arizona specifically. Uh, never did a college visit, said, if I could go to college for free, um, I'm there. And 
at ASU, I studied sustainability, um, focused on food systems. So very much not a, a STEM path at all. I have so much respect um, for STEM students. And if I did it all over, I, I think I'd go lean a little heavier into the sciences, but um, was really passionate about food um, and food systems. And got really involved on campus, threw myself into everything outside the classroom I could, um, put on like zero waste events, diverting waste from the landfill, um, got involved in student government, just got my hands on anything I could, and also did a number of internships, which was super valuable to me personally, just getting the chance to hypothesize about what I might want to do after graduation and have that space to test and learn on it um, within the parameters of a semester or a summer. Um, and so I, I originally thought with my degree, I'd want to go into government in some way. Um, so I had an internship with the Illinois EPA, another one with the Arizona Senate. And honestly, just for me personally, felt like I wanted to make a faster impact. I found myself feeling like really impatient with the scale um, of how the government or the pace in which the government moved on things. And so I then explored this corporate path um, of maybe doing, you know, CSR, corporate social responsibility, had a great internship at Dell, um, but that actually felt really slow to me too. And so honestly, through the process of elimination, I just was enamored, enamored with the idea of going into startups, um, just getting the chance to build super fast and really tackle issues head on um, as quickly as you're kind of willing to work. And so dove head first into the world of startups, specifically in the food and food tech space. Um, so worked with three different startups, all early stage. The first, uh, a company called EcoScraps, which is in the gardening space, um, during my time there was actually acquired by a public company by Scott's Miracle Grow, the leading garden brand. Um, the next company I went on to work for is Hampton Creek, now called Eat Just. At the time we were focused on plant-based. You might recognize the name now because they're getting more into cell ag, cultured ag, clean meat, whatever you want to call it. Um, I was there from the early days through uh, unicorn status, learned a ton, grew really fast. And then from there, I went on to Juicero, um, which is a conversation for another day. Unfortunately, not a business that, uh, that worked out um, and unfortunately went out of business, but again, tons of learnings from that. So finally, to answer your question about how I got into DC in a very roundabout way, through experiencing all of the kind of life cycle of startups, the ups and downs, the different outcomes, the twists and turns, I um, got curious when I thought about what was next for me about the idea of maybe rather than working inside one startup and working with one founder as I always had, that maybe I could join a VC and instead work across a whole portfolio, sort of a family of founders and find um, scalable ways to support them as they build their businesses. So that's what led me to SUSE four years ago now. That's uh, that's amazing. It's honestly like the breadth of experience is remarkable, and I commend you for that. I also want to give a quick shout out. Like I used to work at Home Depot, and like Scotts is obviously a Home Depot. Yeah, store. we actually had a totally. rep at at our Home Depot. His name was Scott, and he was like a celebrity in the place. So <laughs> that was kind of crazy. It's um, you know it's funny you say that because in order for us to be competitive, we're 
also selling bags of dirt um, <laughs> because that was industry standard. Part of my role was hiring and managing a weekend demo staff who could stand like in the soil aisles next to the Scots guy and tell them right. like why our product was better. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the healthy competition, right? I'm curious, was there any tangible difference, I would say, or notable difference between working for a startup that eventually achieved that unicorn status versus the ones that did it? Um, that's a really good question. I mean, I think a few things stand out to me. One is focus and clarity, it's like understanding why you exist, your place in the world, what issues you're tackling and being able to have the, the clarity of how to best achieve that, um, I think is really critical and really hard um, to, to put your finger on. So that's something that stands out. Um, what else? I think a lot of what it comes down to, and I think we see our investing team at SUSE sees this as well as like, you know, a big part of our calculus in making investing decisions is around the founder themselves and um, really making a bet, sure, in the like business fundamentals, but more really than anything, it's investing in people. And so a lot of it comes down to the strength um, of a founder and they're willing to run through walls and learn along the way and and build a team frankly who can kind of fill in the gaps for any blind spots they have or, or shortcomings they might have um, to be ultimately successful so quick follow-up on that because i'm i guess attitudes as a whole um i guess among good vcs i hear this countless times right you invest in people not products or companies but i you also see a couple very eloquently spoken scam artists, right? Like you have the the uh, Nicolas or the WeWork or the the Fire Festival. You know those kinds of people who they speak in such a compelling way. You can't help but fall in love with their mission, and they just feel like this almost like messianic individual that comes across and delivers all these promises, and everyone is just enamored with the stories that they're unraveling. But of course, you know as we've seen in the cases of those examples I listed, things didn't exactly pan out as I'm sure many of the investors had expected. What, I'm just curious if there's any litmus test that's been developed in the past uh, X amount of time since those individuals to better weed out those scam artists from you know the genuine founders who are so passionate about their mission that they're willing to like lose sleep, just whatever it takes to get it off the ground. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a fine line because as a founder, you have to be optimistic. You have to be wildly optimistic, um, just out the gate or it's a non-starter, but you also have to be realistic and honest. And so um, I think I think what's really important is, again, like, the strength of the team around a founder uh, and their ability to demonstrate the business fundamentals. Um, And what I mean by that is 
you know, a founder can pitch their expectation for what sales will be this year and next year and build these super compelling graphs of, you know, that classic hockey stick growth. Um, but ultimately you have to have, you know, the finance chops and the, the great like sales leader who um, has experience and can speak to the like realistic expectations and draw the line between what is a, a realistic goal and what's like an optimistic stretch goal. Um, and, you know, I think it's just really important to, as we're making these investment decisions to do the diligence to to look at the numbers. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I think, yeah. And having been on a few pitch calls, I can definitely second that. It's like, it's a matter of like, not just the founder and what they say, but also, you know, business model matters a lot, but more so like, do we think that they can build a team that can actually achieve what they want to achieve? And that that's really important. It's about like, not just how talented you are and, and what your vision is, but your ability to attract that talent. Uh, and yeah, I've been lucky enough to, to get that drilled into me by, by a few, few of the CISA team. Um, actually, I had a question going back to your journey. Um, that theme of impatience, I think, is, is, is really cool and really important because I think I'm also like an extremely impatient person. And I did a sit in government. Uh, I did an internship with the CIA and it was the exact same thing. It was like, wow, this is like so slow. It's not something I want to like be doing for the rest of my life. I feel like there's so many ways to make impact that just aren't happening. And I think a lot of like college students in particular are like struggling with like similar feelings of impatience, like wanting to make an impact beyond their scope, but they just aren't able to. So yeah, I wonder if you can talk through a little bit about your thought process through like joining your joining startups like straight out of college and like where your head at was with that, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably struggling with something similar. Yeah, I think the beauty of it is that for me, at least coming straight out of college, I was so naive as I think, uh, I don't want to put a generalist statement, blanket statement on your listeners, but I think some of the like beauty of your early career is that naivety and that willingness to like experiment and just try stuff out and just like hustle and grind and um, do something that you care about. Like, frankly, when I graduated college, I got this job at EcoScraps, which like to be very specific, my job was to sell dirt. <laughs> I felt like this was like my dream job. Like I got to work in a startup and this company was taking food waste and composting it and selling that back instead of letting the food just like rot in a, um, a landfill somewhere. And I felt like this is like the most incredible thing that I could have, you know, imagine happening to me. Um, it didn't come with like, you know, the best salary or, you know, the rest of it, but I was just so it was so, um, mission, I was so mission driven. It was so values aligned with what I wanted to do. And that was the beauty of it. You know, when you're early in your career, you can kind of, um, afford to take some risks and experiment a bit. And I think it's fun to just kind of follow your heart, um, and see where that takes you. I know it's, it can be a big trade-off because there are other safer options for sure. But, um, I think it's just like, so incredibly rewarding if someone's at least feeling the itch like they might want to try out startups um i think it's just the best thing you can do i think that's also why it's so important to understand and explicitly define what your own mission is because i i would imagine not everybody would think that selling bags of dirt is like the sexiest job in the world 
But, you know, to someone like you who neatly aligns the missions of that company that you're working for, you're living out your passion like day in and out. Right. And you're able to do so much more because of that. And with the kind of on that experimentation note, I was uh, listening to a, a TED talk by David Epstein a couple of months ago. And if I recall correctly, I think it was titled how falling behind can get you ahead. And hmm. You know, it's one of those things where you kind of read it. It's like, oh, this guy is just kind of preaching. Uh, I don't know, like, does that really make sense? But he was basically making the case that for those of us who give ourselves the space to get a false start in life, rather than just jumping on that, uh, the most like readily available opportunity, and then following that path, and, you know, kind of slowly ascending the ranks. If you give yourself the space to get that false start, experiment more, you, not only are you eventually going to cross that income gap that that other individual who just jumps straight into the career makes because you're a lot more passionate about it, right? Like if it's the space between someone who's passionate about what they're doing and someone who's just good at what they're doing, in time, the person who's passionate about it will be better at it, right? And, you know, we also find that the people who just jump into whatever is there, they end up burning out a lot faster. They get tired of going to work. It's the constant going through the motions. And that's sucks right and a lot of us don't want to have to face that feeling but i've seen it in a lot of places and a lot of people who objectively they're looking at they look like they're working in very interesting teams doing fascinating work it's, i don't know again like maybe it's that naivety you're talking about but i don't know it feels like a kind of like a jail sentence to me to be confined to an environment like that where you're literally just going through the motions and you've lost any luster or or flair for the work that you're doing. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Just understanding what what you care about and letting your passions kind of take the lead. Um, and I, I think that is why, like I mentioned, for me as a college student, internships were so important. Um, who knows if I hadn't done a government internship, for example, if I would have gone on to take a full-time job in government and how long I might've, you know, sat in a cubicle somewhere in a place that wasn't for me. Um, so it's a good time to experiment. And maybe that's a good segue even into, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to do. No, take it, <laughs> take it ahead. I, I was going to say that's a great segue into transitioning to talking about the CISA Summer Fellowship. Um, and the impact internships have, right? So yeah, why don't you introduce it? Awesome. Um, well, we, so in, at SUSA, my role as head of operations, a big part of it is working with our portfolio, finding ways to support our founders and their teams. And one of the biggest areas of need, I mean, arguably the largest area of need that our companies have is in building a team, right? They've just raised around and they're ready to put some more fuel in the tank and um, typically need to hire on a great team around them. And the most common hire that they need um, are software engineers. And this will be no surprise to either of you or any of your listeners, given everyone's in the STEM space, but there is, an incredible need, an overwhelming need for tech talent. And um, there is more opportunity than there are um, engineers. And so that becomes really difficult for um, particularly early stage startups to compete for when you've got the fangs of the world and 
you know, more startups getting funded than ever before. And so we've got on the company side, this opportunity where we need to find great talent. They're getting really competitive, feels like um, a great opportunity to sort of like go up cycle, meet talent at like the earliest part of their career, i.e. when they're still in college and seeking out an internship. And then, you know, when you look at the other side of it for, um, for students who are looking for an internship, I think what, um, what I noticed from talking with a lot of students is that even if they're interested in working for a startup, it's kind of hard to navigate, like, which ones are good? Are they even offering an internship? Because lots of early stage companies aren't at that stage where they have the infrastructure and the team to even spin up an internship program and make it meaningful and have programming around it. And so the idea for the summer fellows program came up kind of in conversations with founders in the CISA portfolio and kind of amongst our team where we saw an opportunity to create a sort of central application process to invite some really great SUSE companies who want to bring on interns for the summer, software engineering interns, and make that application available so that any student wants to apply, that's just one application that goes to um, a bunch of really great companies that have been vetted by SUSE and um, from there are doing a little bit of matchmaking on the back end to help find the right fit um, for each student. And the, I think the most exciting part of the program is that in addition to getting that great experience at a great startup for the summer, each fellow will also get the direct support from the SUSE family in programming, putting on socials, helping really expose these folks to the broader tech ecosystem, you know, hearing founders' stories, hearing um, from the SUSE investing team, learning a little bit about venture capital. Um, and so we're really, really excited to, to offer this um, this summer. And um, we have applications open now for uh, about another week and a half, um, I think by the time this comes out. So um, really, really thrilled with the response we've gotten so far, but excited to get more students in the mix. That's amazing. I can definitely say, so I did a ton of internships when I was in, in college. I did seven and I wish there was something like this is a, like summer fellowship thing to do because yeah, it's super hard when you know you want to work at early stage startups, like number one, know if they're hiring or not. And number two, apply to all of them, right? Because they don't have like centralized application centers. Like with Facebook, it's like, okay, there are a thousand engineering teams. You just apply to like, you know, general posting and you get matched with the team later. But I like how you guys are kind of doing it with, um, with the SUSE portfolio companies because I think that's really important. And the whole talent piece as well. Like it, it's, it's funny to think of as a student because you don't expect it. When you're a student, it's like you're struggling for your job, right? Like you, you apply everywhere, you get a ton of rejections. And then as soon as I graduated and I spent like a few months at Twitter, I was like, wait, there are actually everybody wants to hire an engineer. Like it's, it's like impossible to not have a job as an engineer because so many people are hiring. So yeah, I think it's really, really great. Um, kind of like one question I had, uh, you talked a little bit about like why SUSE started the fellowship, but um, who do you think is like the ideal candidate for, for a fellowship like this? just so it helps our listeners uh, who are looking to apply. Absolutely. So we're looking for ideally third year students studying computer science or mathematics or some kind of relevant degree program and folks who 
have some coding experience, modern languages, and really just like the appetite to work for a startup, which I know certainly is not everyone, um, but someone who wants to, you know, get scrappy and kind of roll up their sleeves and learn a ton. Um, and in return, you know, get amazing access to the founder in their organization, like have a mentor who is an engineering executive. And again, kind of everything that comes along with it. Um, so that's kind of ideal candidate. We're open to US or Canada, um, students studying in the US or Canada. And um, I think that's, yeah, that's the short of it. We're kind of casting a, a wide net. I think, like you said, Fouad, it's like, it's hard to come by internship opportunities. And in fact, I think if it weren't for the summer fellows program, I think most of the company, our partner companies who are participating in this and bringing on summer interns would not have on their own. Um, again, just because it takes a lot of work to like run the application process and filter through applications and do the screening. And then, you know, again, with that layering on top, like the cohort experience of bringing these folks together, I think it can be really hard to be like the one lonely intern in a startup and have no one you can turn to and just sort of like gut check stuff with and confide in and learn alongside. And so, um, yeah, we're, that's, I think, a big part of our, our value prop. Definitely. Yeah. No, I've, I've been that one intern on a team and it's, it's never a pleasant experience. So it's always nice to have someone to learn along with. Um, you also mentioned kind of like the chance, like learn at a startup and like the fast paced nature of a startup. I want to connect it back to like your own experiences at startups. And I don't know if you could like put in like a couple points, but like, what's like the main sell for joining like an early stage startup? Like why would you join an early stage startup versus like something that's like series B, series C or a little bit later? Um, in their funding route and what what have like been the most notable takeaways you've had from from working in early stage startups yeah so the companies the susa companies who are bringing on these interns as a part of the summer fellows program are all series a and series b um and i'd consider that still early ish not seed but you know pretty early i think one of the biggest most compelling aspects of interning in that environment is the ability to make an outsized impact impact and what i mean by that is some of these teams are maybe a few dozen people um, and you really get sort of access and exposure to really the whole business in a sense um, and and all of the team members like you have kind of open door policy with a founder, um, the founder of the company. And I think that's like something really unique and you get to get broader exposure into a total business. I think if you work in a larger org, it can be easier to feel siloed and feel like you kind of only know what's happening in your own department. But in a startup, it's so all hands on deck. I think that accelerated learning um, around the business is just, um, you know, something really exciting. And I think those are, yeah, I think those are the biggest reasons. Um, uh, thank you for that. So I, I'm curious if 
there would be an opportunity then because I, I don't know what what's happened recently but i feel like there's been an explosion of vc in recent times like everybody that i know is somehow getting a fellowship at a vc firm i, I like I, I don't know what happened i don't know what changed in the water but something did um would there be an opportunity for some of those uh, f- uh summer fellows to be able to get involved in vc in some capacity as well yeah it's a good question um i think for the summer fellows program in particular, we will definitely have some curriculum and programming around it. Because again, I think part of the value of the program is getting such a broad exposure. It's not working in just one startup um, and having that be your world. It's that plus exposure to other companies, exposure like directly to the inside team of a venture capital firm. Um, However, what I'd say is that we do run another fellowship program uh, that Tuan's very intimately familiar with, uh, which is the Venture Fellows Program. Um, And that program is directly oriented toward folks who know that they want to kind of try out their hand at becoming a venture capital investor. And, um, you know, that's a program that we've been running for the last few years where uh, on the second cohort, about to graduate out, um, Fouad and some others, and um, you know, I'm sure he could he could speak to the experience from his side of the table. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the voucher program has been like absolutely amazing. Um, I think I'm probably like the youngest person in it right now, uh, which has been crazy just to learn from like not just everyone at SUSE, but all the fellows as well. There's just, like such a wealth of experience there. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Like we do pretty much like bi-weekly sessions that are like lecture style for half the hour and then like fireside chat style uh, for, for another hour. Um, and it's been great just like learning about topics like LPs, um, you know, how VCs get funded, uh, what a cap table is, how, how term sheets work, like all, all that sort of thing. Um, and also just getting one-on-one experience with, you know, people who work at SUSE and partners and sitting in on pitch calls. So that's been absolutely amazing. Uh, I think if, the summer falls program is like one millionth of that exposure. Like it's, it's still absolutely worth it. Um, so yeah, definitely encourage people to apply. Uh, and also just the season team is just so cool. Like, I don't know, Chad's <laughs> like a crazy skier, Derek, like his experiences, like yourself, like it, I, everyone I've talked to has just been super, super cool. So at the very least you get to like talk to some cool people, which is kind of what, I mean, that's what we do on the podcast and it's kind of what like <laughs> I want to do with my life. Right. So Yeah. What uh, I love that. What kind of person would you guys say would make for a good VC candidate? Because um, I feel like some people might have this con- this notion that you know, you, if you're not a founder, if or if you ha- don't have any founding experience, you're not really the best per- suited person to go into VC. But at the same time, you know, like not all great athletes make great coaches, right? So, what kind of person do you think would be a good fit for VC? Mm. That's tricky because the answer is not going to be fulfilling or satisfying. It is like anyone. Um, and I'm, I'm sure like Fouad has seen this through the program as well is like, there's no one path into VC. In fact, that's why we started the Venture Fellows Program in the first place is like, it is a little bit of a black box of an industry. And our intention with this program is to open up access and create an entry point for people who don't have the specific network to give them inroads to to get a chance at this. Um, But I think, you know, people have very different backgrounds. I mean, even if you look at partners on our own team at SUSE, 
Um, you know, Leo, for example, one of our general partners was one of the first engineers at LinkedIn, um, went on to Google and Microsoft and, um, you know, worked for a startup uh, as a software engineer. And so, um, you know, that's, that's one background and one kind of meandering path in. And then you've got other folks like Courtney on our team who had more of a background in like academia and research and, you know, found her way in. So I think where there's a will, there's a way, particularly if you've got the stepping stones of a program like Venture Fellows. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, exactly accurate. Kind of like everyone, everyone's path to CISO, right? Like everybody has had a very drastically different path. Um, and I think that's super cool to see because I think VC can be thought of as like a very closed world. It's like, if you're in, you're in, if you're not, you're not. Uh, and I think, well, obviously the fellowship program is like, you know, targeted to combating that. I don't think I would have gone into VC or even like had as much experience, nearly as much experience as I've had without the fellowship program. Um, but I think it, it speaks to more like, it's so personalized too. Like the kind of investor you are really depends on your background. Like Courtney is such a different investor from Leo because of her background. And that really empowers you to think of how your experiences shape who you're going to be as a VC, which I think is really cool. Um, but yeah, um, I think that's like as good of a style as I can think of for any program. So uh, I think we've really done it justice. Um, I'm really excited for the summer fellowship program. And I, I think if, if I was a university student, it'd be like a hands down no-brainer to apply to this. Uh, and thank you, Natalie, for coming on and like, you know, selling it so well, but also like talking to us about your story. Cause I think it's, it's super inspiring to hear that, uh, you know, there's, there's so many paths to VC, even if you're not related to STEM whatsoever. Uh, and no matter, even if your first job was like selling bags of dirt, you know, it doesn't matter because to you at the time, that was like the best job in the world. And it's all about that. Passion, Absolutely. So. And on that, my closing zinger line is that I had a brief period of overlap between two of the startups I worked for. And during that time, I went home over the holidays and my family was asking me how work was going. And my brothers would answer for me, giving me a hard time and said, she's doing great. She sells dirt during the week and mayonnaise on the weekend. <laughs> but again, to me, uh, it was everything and I was living the dream. Um, but anyway, it's been really awesome chatting with you guys. Um, so much fun. Thank you for having me on. and. Um, really appreciate just the chance to share word about the summer fellows program with uh, all of your listeners. It's been our pleasure. And we'll definitely throw a link into the application in our show notes as well, just to reduce any barriers so that anybody's listening has no excuse, but to apply. Um, so thank you again, Natalie, for the great conversation and the uh, detailing around the fellows program. Mm -hmm. Awesome. One thank day, you guys. I hope my career can be as, as fulfilling as what you're doing on the weekend. weekend. <laughs> yeah. If you liked the episode, follow us on Spotify and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Our website was built by Face Solutions, logo designed by Charmeni, and music by Wonderly Music. Thank you for listening. Think you got it? Nah, we're on the next iteration. <laughs>